0: Hey guys, we're back from our summer hiatus, so join us for our last upcoming three episodes of season two. Welcome to The Good Lawyer. This is a 2022 copyrighted podcast of the Young Lawyers Division of the State Bar of Georgia, where we discuss what makes a good lawyer. Let's get started.
1: Live from Savannah, Georgia. I'm sorry, I've always wanted to say that. (laughs) Uh, just doesn't have the same effect when you're not in New York. Um, I'm Ron Daniels, president of the Young Lawyers Division of State Bar, of Georgia. I'm excited to be here with Sarah Young at the State Bar, of Georgia's annual meeting, and today we've got a very special show. Uh, we are going to have three different guests, and this is actually being recorded before a live studio audience. Can we have applause? And we have three very special guests. We have Joyette Holmes, who's at Gregory Dole Calhoun and Rogers, Mike Monahan, who is the Pro Bono Resource Center Director at the State Bar of Georgia, and Damon Elmore, the illustrious Executive Director of the State Bar of Georgia. Welcome to the show, everybody. Let's get started. Sarah, do you want to introduce our first guest?
2: So uh, our first guest today is Miss Joyette Holmes. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I am good. Ron and I are so happy to have you here. I'm honored to be
0: here. Thank you for asking me.
2: It's an honor to have you. And (laughs) uh, we kind of just want to start out, just let everybody know, uh, how did you get to where you are today? And tell everyone a little bit about yourself.
0: All right. So I got to be a lawyer from the show Law & Order. Who would have Thought that a TV show would be my, um, that would cause me to want to be a lawyer, but I didn't have any lawyers in my family, had not had the opportunity to experience the courtroom for any life experience that I had, thankfully, because y'all might not have let me in the bar. But um, so that TV show kind of initiated my interest in mock trial in high school, did mock trial for a season went to the University of Georgia, go Dogs, and then went on to law school. So my after law school journey took me to clerking for a judge, being a public defender in the state of Maryland, and then moving back to Georgia. Both my husband and I are from Georgia, so we wanted to move closer to home, and I became an assistant solicitor in Cobb County, opened my own law firm for about seven or eight years before my predecessor in office, Vic Reynolds, came into the DA's office, asked me to join as an assistant DA, and I did that before coming becoming chief magistrate judge and then district attorney and where I am now as a partner in at Gregory Doyle, Calhoun & Rogers. So that's a fast track through my uh, legal career journey, and it's been great.
1: Well, obviously, this is the Good Lawyer podcast, and, and you'll be typically asked one penultimate question of everybody and you have a very fascinating more recent experience that i want to talk about and the way i'm going to frame this question to you instead of just asking the open-ended what makes a good lawyer Mm -hmm. you've had the experience of handling something that was i know we use the term nationwide frequently but really Mm -hmm. just international attention the whole world was watching how does that experience frame what you consider to be a good lawyer.
0: Uh, Absolutely. So I was, you know, it's hard to use the word honor in this particular juncture, but was selected by the Attorney General and Governor to serve as the Special Prosecutor in the Ahmaud Aubrey case when I was serving as District Attorney in Cobb County. The the facts were horrendous in what happened to Mr. Aubrey, to his family, and really to the region. Um, having to go through that. But I use the word honor because I know that the selection had a lot to do with the way I've served as a lawyer throughout my career. The steadfastness that the office has had in dealing with its cases through the years. And so I know that the Attorney General Chris Carr had confidence in the office as a group and in me as an individual. And I hope that that's about the work that I had done previously.
1: And, and you know, you had touched on, you, you served as a magistrate. Yes. Um, I, I think a lot of people sometimes lose perspective of just how much public facing that job is. I mean, many people regard it as the people's court. Yes. Um, what about those experiences do, do you think sort of helped you become a better lawyer?
0: Oh, absolutely. I I mean, I'll go all the way back really to being a public defender. Um, I was in Maryland in a high crime jurisdiction where there was a lot of volume in the public defender's office. You do kind of just jump into the work when you're in such a high volume place with high turnover. And so I think almost from the beginning of my legal career, I understood how important it was to be self-taught, to motivate myself, even when training wasn't available, to learn more, to do more, to have experiences that were gonna move me forward and what interests me. And litigating, being in the courtroom, serving in a way that helped other people was important as it guided me through becoming a prosecutor, especially becoming a judge. And the temperance that you have to have when you're serving in a court, magistrate court to other people seems like the lowest court. I mean, that's kind of how it's fashioned in the statutes and otherwise. But having served as the chief magistrate court judge in the third largest county, where we also serve as assistant uh, superior court judges by designation, we see everything and everybody, and oftentimes people come in unrepresented. So you are really not guiding self-represented litigants, but the patience, the temperance, the respect, and even deference, I say, that you have for the people that come into the court makes a huge difference. And so when an incident like what happened to Ahmaud Aubrey happens and you get that call that says we need you to step in because things have gone horribly wrong, that you can lean on all of those experiences to understand the importance of what needs to be done in that case. It's not about your name or your picture or the office's information being out there for the world because it just is. It's knowing that the right thing has to be done and it has to be done in the right way. And I don't know if I had not had those other experiences, if I would have been ready for that, or even if I would have been in a position that someone would have thought of me to be available and able to do what needed to be done there.
2: When you were selected and you were on that case, you keep mentioning that there were experiences that kind of guided you. Are there any in particular that you think of that shaped who you are as a lawyer and the path that you've taken Uh, it could be mentors it could be certain circumstances in particular Mm -hmm. that kind of come to mind when you think about that you know
0: when we have the conversation about mentors um, i didn't have a lot of mentors that i sat in a room with and went over different scenarios but i absolutely had a number of people that i would watch from a distance because i could see the respect that they had in the rooms that they were in, the way that they did the work, whether they served as judges or um, prosecutors, civil attorneys, wherever they landed in their career as lawyers, I had the opportunity to observe. One of those people for me, and I'm grateful that we have a personal relationship now, but when I first came to Cobb, um, a speaker that came in to talk to a group of us was retired Chief Justice Benham. And so, you know, he would always talk about engaging in things that are important to the people around you, even if it wasn't important or interesting to you. And that's how you build genuine relationships with people, no matter where they sit in your life. It could be the person who's coming in to clean your office. It might be the judge's staff attorney. You know, they could come from anywhere, but understanding their interests and what they liked were the things that I got from listening and watching those people that I revered uh, in the practice of law. I always saw them arrive in court on time. If they had a conflict letter, they were following the process of reporting to courts where the conflicts were not just sitting in their office saying that they had all these 10, 20 other places um, to be. I was in private practice, but I wasn't in private practice to have the biggest law firm. Maybe that's not the best business sense. I, I don't know. But when I went to private practice, my girls were two and four. I wanted to be at the school to make gingerbread houses as well as do the service in the law practice. And, and so all of those things, there's not one experience. It truly is just a crock pot full of different things and people and conversations that I think put me in that position.
2: And you mentioned a lot about observing and watching others and seeing how you needed to serve and using that word service a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, you said that you served in a way that helped other people. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit about um, the role that service has played in in oh. your practice actively
0: and passively? Absolutely. So my Father was retired Air Force. My mom is a retired nurse, um, but outside of their work, they were involved in Masonic and Shrine organizations where they would often do service. I mean, I think I saw them in their role as community servant even more than in their professional role. So I knew that that would be well. Actually, I don't know if I knew that was going to be <laughs> a part of who I became, but I can think back and know where it came from, and so. Practicing as an attorney, the work can't stop there. There's only so much you can do, no matter what area of law you're practicing in. but it's important to me to be a steward in my community, and I hope that my role as a lawyer helps in some of those spaces to be able to inform where to go next and how to serve better. But uh, my, my service on boards does take a lot of time, but it's goodwill for the firm it's activities that the firm has always been a part of, even prior to me going into the firm. So to be able to kind of take that role head on and deal with um, the service, not just within Cobb, but throughout the state of Georgia as I practice there.
1: You know, you you started out with, you didn't have a lawyer in the family, you, you, you watched Law and Order. But you talked about your both your, your mom and your father both being public servants.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you grow up thinking this is the way a good person goes about themselves is is to serve others whether it's professionally or whether it's volunteering uh, in ways or or I mean did, did that have an impact how, how exactly did that arrive you know mm-hmm. where, where you were saying I'm going to do these things like you're doing now
0: yeah I, I think it definitely came from my parents and watching them as public servants when I went to college I continued well when step back in high school. There was an organization called PAMS. It was Personality, Appearance, Manners, and Service. So it was an organization that a couple of our counselors started, where we would go out into the community also serve. We would serve within the high school community to do different things as well. So I started my own pathway once I was in high school, but then went to college, joined a number of service organizations, including. My sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, Incorporated, um, where we do a lot of service organizations, <laughs> and um, I'm still active in a graduate chapter in Cobb County, uh, and I serve on about seven or eight boards currently. Where you know we do different work, including State Board of Department of Juvenile Justice. There's always work to be done, new things to find and work through. So. It, it was definitely ingrained in me in the work that my parents did and I've just kept that up throughout my career
1: both both professionally and correct. I, I I hate to use the word private life but it, in in non lawyer capacity correct correct um, fun question who's your favorite law and order character and why
0: oh my gosh i don't know that i could really pick one in check, in check. Um, <laughs> you know i think early episodes it early episodes it was probably Jack um oh my gosh I can't even think of his name tall slender handsome Latino man oh I'm I am revealing a lot to you all today
1: Tony Del Campo Tony
0: Del Campo absolutely listen and I've been married for 22 years so I am firm in that (laughs) But, Jack, absolutely, earlier, earlier seasons.
1: If it makes you feel any better, um, it's not really a secret anymore. Uh It's sort of well-known, but uh, I I didn't have a lawyer in the family either. And the movie that sort of inspired me to go to law school is Ghostbusters 2. Oh, listen. So, I mean, you know, I'm there with you. Just an entirely different setting. Same courtroom, though. Same courtroom.
0: Was it the same courtroom?
1: Yes, New York City courtroom.
2: I did not need, know that. Yeah. Can you elaborate as to why Ghostbusters 2 was the, the movie to spur your route?
1: Well, I mean, when it's your only experience with lawyers and you watch it, you know, some thousands of times to the point that you wear out the movie store's copy mm-hmm. uh, while we just didn't pay nineteen ninety five for our own copy. I don't know. But, <laughs> um, you know, at some point in time, it just becomes ingrained in there.
0: Mm-hmm. Listen, um, it's funny, though, the influence that TV does have on us. You know, certainly we get into the courtroom and we realize, oh, they never showed jury selection. This, this is not what I saw on TV, but um, a, a little more personal. My daughter will start college in the fall. We actually have orientation with her tomorrow, and she wants to be a cardiothoracic surgeon. We, the only medical professional in my family is my mom, retired registered nurse, but her favorite show is Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) And she was probably watching Grey's Anatomy a little earlier than maybe she should have in life, but she started keeping, she started keeping a notebook of medical terms that she would learn from the show. So, you know, we, we do want to limit screen time, but sometimes screen time is what impacts, you know, all of us throughout our career.
1: Yeah. Um, well, and we, we talked about television and, and not showing everything. Mm-hmm. Just kind of going back to the, the Arbery case, what was it like? I mean, probably the most televised case in the last decade. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's the most televised one ever, but certainly it's got to be on the top 10 list for, for being televised and just the amount of publicity that was there. What is it like being in, in that fishbowl?
0: Uh, It's difficult, um, certainly. Uh, I think we handled it, though, in a way that the media only impacted us in as much as we allowed it to. You know, when we first got the appointment, we got calls from all sorts of media outlets. And if you noted, other than the courthouse stairs where we were recounting what was going on, that there were not the... 2020 or things like that until later on because I thought it was important not to do the circuit like when other things have happened uh, because the work had to be done in the courtroom. Public opinion matters and you know that everybody was hurting. No matter where you fell on the case, everybody was hurting. And so we had to make sure and, you know, Definitely asterisks. I wasn't on the case through the end of the case, but um, getting it through indictment and through that piece of it, it was truly important to make decisions that we knew would stand the test of jury verdict to make sure the right thing happened. And you can't do that by allowing yourself to be a part of the story throughout. I mean, people are going to talk about you, they're going to put you know your name up there. They're going to say who you are before you even say who you are, and you have to deal with that because it, there was a lot of criticism about who I was, who our office was, what you know conflicts there may or may not be. But we dug in. We got in the trenches to get what was needed, not just for for our case from a state of Georgia perspective, but. The U.S. attorney at the time was kind of with us listening to make determinations on what, if anything, they would do with respect to the case. So it was just really important to do all the right things up front without letting the fishbowl take hold of what we did. But it was a difficult balance beam to walk, I guess. I probably did not talk to the media as much as people would have liked, but I wasn't going to be a pundit and talk about what we thought was going to happen. We wanted to speak on what we expected based on the work that we did leading up to every piece that I was fortunate to be a part of.
2: You've mentioned family a few times and, and trying to find that balance and making mm-hmm. sure you can be present. So whether it's during the Ahmad Arbery case or during your day-to-day work, how do you find balance with Making time for life and uh, balancing the hard work that you put in um, on your day-to-day basis—how how is that balance achieved, if if at all?
0: Being completely transparent, I'm still working on that. Um, I think early on in my career, it was a little bit easier. Uh, you know, like I said, started my own practice. While at my own practice, I made those balance that balance work a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, Than when I went back into public service and certainly serving as an elected official, you know, when you feel that being an elected official is bigger than the office, that it really requires more, whether it's in the community or as part of making the profession better, it becomes a little harder. All the big moments I was there for with my girls, but I know that there were times where they're just at home and probably wanted me to be there, that I couldn't be there. And so I think now in private practice, even though I'm no less busy than I was, we found those opportunities. I'm grateful to be spending the next couple of days at orientation and then we're taking her on her grad trip. So, you know, we're we're finding our way. But fortunately, I have a husband who's a big support in all things um, family, and all things that we both have to do professionally. My mother lives with with us, which is very, we are all very fortunate. I didn't grow up um, with my grandparents close by. My grandmother's passed either before I was born or right after. And so they have the fortune of having my mother-in-law in Cobb where we are and my mom living with us and so that helps as well to have that close-knit family piece.
2: What would your advice be for whether it be a lawyer starting out or a lawyer trying to maybe change the direction of a career to find um, balance or ways to get involved in service what would Mm -hmm. be some pieces of advice through your career that you have found to be helpful that you might extend to others who might have Mm -hmm. those questions
0: as well? Well, the first thing I would say is find out what makes you happy, what makes you whole. You know, if I had been intentional about that before I, you know, really got into my practice, maybe I would know for me what just makes me happy. So first I would do that. But I'd go really get into the career and see the places where there is need and where you serve. But you have to maintain your character and integrity through it all. I don't think that I would have ascended to the things that I did without having that foundation. Yes, you need to know the law. Yes, you need to know process, procedure, the courts that you're going to serve in. But nobody wants to see you in that space if you haven't been able to show and reflect what it is you're going to be expecting of others in that same space. So just The biggest thing, you know, sitting as a judge and watching young attorneys is, you know, not knowing your case, not knowing your client, not being forthright with the other side through the process. And those are some things that I have just seen from the other side of the bench that I would just always counsel people on. I think I got to know better what my community in Cobb County needed running for office the first time. I ran for office in 2012 for a state court position at a time where I was still working on my self-confidence at a time where I would have never thought I would run for office, but I knew I'd always dreamed of being a judge. And that's, you know, one of the two ways that you kind of get to be in that space. So it's like, if not now, when? I did not win that election, but what I learned was where my community needed me to serve. And so I think for people who are coming out and who want to find that, you don't have to run for office to do it, but be intentional about learning about your community and where the needs are and how, as a lawyer, just the skill that you hold, whether you're acting as a lawyer in that, in that organization or not, but the skills that you hold as a lawyer are impactful. To those organizations and just how you can help in serving in that way.
1: It all comes back to being willing to serve others. Oh,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. This, this isn't a self-guided career path. You really have to be one with all things around you. Uh, I was talking to a group yesterday and just talked about how we act in silos sometimes. The best work is done when we're working in partnership and not in silos. So that's kind of been my mantra moving forward.
1: Well thank you for so much for coming on the Good Lawyer Podcast. We're so excited to have you and we, we wish your daughter luck. Thank you. Um, and uh, wish you luck in, in your future service to, to your community and, and hopefully to the legal profession.
0: Yes, well I have enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for having me. This has this has been great. So much Thanks. This podcast was created by the Young Lawyers Division of the State Bar of Georgia. It was produced, recorded, and edited by Jamie Goss. Special thanks to Ron Daniels and D. Sarah Young. Follow the
2: YLD on social media at Georgia YLD. Call in with questions on the podcast
0: at 404-526-8607.